As has, um, has, as has become our practice, let's join our hearts in prayer. Father, we thank you for all that has happened this weekend, for relationships that have grown, for men that have been introduced to each other, but most of all, that we have been reintroduced to you. We invite you, Lord, into our lives. We ask to be residing under the wing of Psalm 91, where we find our comfort and our contentment. Lord, we choose to be men of integrity. Guide us in all we do. Thank you for dying on the cross for us and defeating death and rising again. May everything we do be for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I have uh, personally learned a lot from you guys this weekend, and I want to thank you very much for that. The most, one of the most important things I learned was... Uh, don't be the last guy to take a shower at a men's retreat. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Us last guys were, uh, the first will be last and the last didn't work this weekend. I, you're a little chilly this morning in the shower, so I don't know who's in the next room to me, but uh, you got all the hot water. Anyway, there must be another lesson in here somewhere. I've been here for three days, so there must be something going on. The, today, we're gonna, uh, I'm going to share my time with Pastor Stephen Lay. And I have some points that I thought we would just recap uh, together. Uh, and then I have one final point that I'd like to leave you with. And so uh, I'm going to have... This is going to be my... I got a new pointer. It's my finger this today. The other pointer wasn't working. So I'm just going to point, And we're going to see uh, it, it works perfectly that way. I don't have to stand up here and try to get this thing to operate. Uh, I want to go over some of the things that we talked about that uh, if... You know, in, in, in college, I like the cliff notes. So if you just arrived this morning, this is what we talked about over the last couple of days. And uh, just some of, the, some of the high points that perhaps you could take away. Uh, I see some of you taking uh, notes. And, and uh, just as a recap, uh, I think some of the points that, that we can uh, stash in our pocket and take home with us. Doing the right thing. Integrity, doing the right thing sounds very easy. Uh, but it is a steadfast adherence to a strict moral code. And God is the absolute truth, and we can trust in Him that there is an absolute truth, and that our steadfast adherence to a strict moral code is rooted in the Bible. It is determined by your worldview, and your worldview is the system by which all of your experiences and decisions are governed. Everything we do will be adhered to a strict moral code and a worldview, and we will decide that we have an advantage as Christians in that we have the Bible. We have an absolute truth. We are the only ones that have an absolute truth controlling our steadfast adherence to a moral code. It is a huge advantage over everybody else trying to do the right thing. It's measured by actions, which we call our hands, uh, seen and unseen by man over time, while knowing that God sees it all. And integrity is faithfulness over time. And that time relates back to the steadfast adherence. Time, time, time implies a steadfast adherence. So all of this works perfectly together. Integrity forms your culture. 
First, the culture of the family. Some of you are married, some of you are not. You probably will be, but whoever you influence, beginning with your family, the family is the DNA of our country's culture. You've been given by God the awesome responsibility for your family's culture. That is an awesome responsibility because it will determine your family's integrity, your children's integrity for generations to come. You will be remembered by your integrity. And then there's the church, the keeper of absolute truth. And the community, your church, and you've got a great one, is the community that feeds and sustains that family. There's a two-way relationship. It feeds you and you serve it. And it is a beautiful circle of growth you can lean on. And then finally, the government is the system that society's collective culture produces, which I try to remember not to complain about because I'm part of it, and we get what we deserve, don't we? Integrity in doing the right thing is my contentment is dependent on my self-view of, in, of my integrity, and integrity requires being honest with myself while seeing God as my primary accountability partner. That's an awesome accountability partner. God is your primary. He hears it all. He knows it all. He knows the decisions. He knows about the justifications that eat away at it. A man of integrity is always a servant whose yes is yes, no is no, and justification is the enemy of integrity. It is the termite that eats away at our integrity, convincing us we're doing the right thing when, in fact, we're, we're not. And I hope this weekend we've come up with a process by which we can measure our integrity and pass it through that screen. Jesus said in Matthew 5.37, and let your message be yes for yes, no for no, anything more than that comes from the evil one, and that includes the decisions to justify. Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter was the only one willing to, to speak. And he said, you are the son of God. He knew him better than anyone, spent three years with him. Christ's integrity was not self-declared, as, as should ours not be, was not self-declared. His integrity's perfection was seen by all who knew him, and it was irreversible. Is that your last slide? Oh, I have so much more on my presentation. No, that, that's good. Integrity is not an easy subject. It's so easy to say, let's just do the right thing, isn't it? But I, I do hope that this weekend we have come up with some processes and some thought processes that we can use uh, to take a look at our integrity through a different light and its importance and its main function. 
But there's one more thing that I'd like to leave you with. One, one last point, if I may. And I'd like to do it uh, by telling you a true story that you're aware of. It was the night of the Passover celebration in the upper room. And unlike Michelangelo's painting, I don't think it was like that at all. I think it was a joyful celebration. This was all holidays rolled into one, if you were a Jew. This was the big night. This was it in the big place, the Holy of Holies in Jerusalem. For three years, these twelve had wandered throughout the land, often being kicked out from place to place, shuffled along, chased away. And finally, into Jerusalem, the palm branches are on the ground. The crowds are cheering the Messiah. He comes in on a donkey, a royalty. That is what that signified. Royalty. He arrives as royalty on a donkey, and the palm branches go in the street. The clothing is laid in the street so that the Messiah would not have to walk in the dirt. The crowds are cheering for the first time in three years, and not only cheering, not cheering in Galilee or Bethlehem, in Jerusalem at the big feast. Surely the twelve must have believed, we have arrived. Finally, the entourage, they were the entourage that, I, that was with, not a rock star, the Messiah. And they believed that tomorrow, miraculously, they weren't sure how, but they knew they were with the Son of God, a victory was going to be had. They would be in power. Romans defeated. Peter, we know had a sword that was so sharp, it severed an ear. You know how long you have to sharpen a sword in order for it to get a surgical cut like that? And you know how bad a swordsman you have to be to miss a, a man standing still and hit him in the ear? <laughs> That's faith. When you're a fisherman with a sharp sword and you believe you're going to defeat the Roman army, these guys had faith. They believed. Tomorrow they were going to be on the throne. And they were with Jesus. They were the twelve. They were even talking amongst themselves who was the greatest. It's documented in the Bible. There they are. Was it quiet? And sitting around and pious, it was a party. It was a party. It was the big feast in the upper room, the twelve. And tomorrow was the day. Even discussing who would be the greatest among them. Self-turning. I'm going to be the Secretary of State tomorrow. No. Jesus sat at the table. He reclined at the table. He didn't have chairs. He was a carpenter. You think he would have invented a chair? Yeah. His heart wasn't in it. He knew who he was. Yeah. <laughs> they reclined at the table. And Jesus is listening to this conversation. And I'm sure, in my heart anyway, he is praying, Lord, Father, how do you want me to respond? He knows he has one last chance, one final chance to communicate to these, the ones who are going to be taking over tomorrow. 
Tomorrow they would be in charge. He had one last chance because after three years, they still didn't understand what it was all about. And so what he did was he stood up from that table and think about them reclining because he, he towered over them as they were on the floor. And without saying a word, he took off his outer garment. What must he be doing? He's undressing. He takes off his outer garment. He walks over to a basin. He wraps a servant's towel around his waist. And in the most important exchange in history between the Creator and the Created, God got down on his hands and knees and washed his disciples' feet without a word. The room became silent. The realization settled in, I think, over three years right then. There was not going to be a victory tomorrow that needed a sword. This was about service. This ministry, this being a Christian, this being a man of integrity, is about one thing. It's not about us. It's about what we do for others. Our integrity is seen in Christ's integrity on the floor. God washing the feet silently of those he trusted. Must have been an awesome moment. There must have been some disappointed. But it was what it was all about. It was just about service. I think there are six men among you that have a little bowl. And if you would, if you would pass those around. If you would take out of this bowl just this little tiny piece of cloth. I would like to leave this with you for me. There's no magic in this cloth. It's just a remembrance, a remembrance of what we talked about this weekend. It's a servant's towel. Perhaps it's something, if you wish, you could keep in your wallet or your pocket. Or maybe when your integrity is challenged, you can reach in there and just give it a rub and remember some of the things we saw in the slides or how the Holy Spirit spoke to you this weekend. I'm a visual and tactile kind of person, and I like to have the touch. Maybe you are too. But I hope you'll just hang on to that and remember where your contentment comes. Your contentment comes from the Holy Spirit, from your integrity. It's the foundation for your integrity. And all of that will be measured by your service to others. It's what you give to your wife. It's what you give to your children. It's not about your expectations as to what you should get as a husband or a boyfriend or a son. All of that has got to be left behind. All of the hurts, all of the bumps in the road, all of the mistakes we've made have got to be left behind. Integrity is about what happens from now forward. It happens, it, it's all about how we serve not only each other, but most important, our families, our children, and our wives. A relationship is not a 50-50 thing. It's 100-100. 
and you are only responsible for your 100, not somebody else's 100. You give 100% to that. You give your wife 100% of the service. Forget the expectation. That will come later. You will be served. You're wise men. You're good men here. You've made good decisions as to who your wives and mates are. I know. I can just tell from who you are. That woman is who you thought she was when you went out with her. Serve her. Serve your children. Serve your community. Serve your church. And what you will reside in is the contentment of Jesus Christ that will last you in eternity. Mark Twain famously said, the two best days of your life will be the day you're born and the day you find out why. Maybe somebody here today, this weekend, found out why. If not, maybe you're on a pathway to find out why, or maybe you arrived here already being aware of that. But I do pray that you find out why you were born, and because what it is is service. You were born to serve. God doesn't need us. I have a ministry that I'm involved in that's worldwide. Millions of dollars every year are collected. And it has occurred to us that God could do it all for a buck. He doesn't need us. The amazing thing is that He wants us. He wants you and He wants me. That's a miracle in itself. That if you were the God of the universe, how much patience must it take? How, much, how patient can God be that he, would ha- that he would prefer we do the work than Him? He... Like that, boom, done. But he loves us so much, he wants us to do the work. He wants us to serve. He delights in us as we delight in him. I'm needed by some people. So are you. We all have someone who needs us. I don't enjoy being needed. I want to be wanted. I'm not sure everyone who needs me wants me, quite frankly. And of the two, I would rather be wanted. God wants you. And He invites you in. And He invites you in for eternity. And He has... There is not a selfish bone in His body. If He has a bone. I don't know if He has a bone or not. But it's pure. His motivation is pure, unadulterated integrity. And He wants you. No one will ever want you like that. To turn that down, to have him be a part-time friend, to have him not be the core of our integrity. What a gift to pass up on. You were born to serve. Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. God bless you, men. God loves you, and so do I, because I'm your brother. It was a pleasure being here with you. I pray that you'll go in peace, serve your God, 
be men of courage, mighty men of integrity. And God bless you as you do. I want to thank you for having me this weekend. It's meant an awful lot to me. Thank you very much. be taking too long this morning, but I want to share with you a couple of things. When we think about this idea of serving, how is it that we learn to serve? Because we're not born ready to serve. We learn to serve because somebody else served us, whether it's our mother, whether it's our father, whether it's our friend or brother. Somebody else washed our feet and somebody else showed us the way to serve. For me, there's four men in my life that from the time that I was about 24 years old to the time that I moved away to go into full-time Christian ministry, there's four men, Marty Gregory, Marty Smith, David Duncan, and Scott Lowry. And you have no idea who those men are. But I can tell you that I am who I am today because of those men. Those men washed my feet. Those men served me. And we were in a group together. And we learned things like how to be men of integrity. Uh, we, we learn things like how to understand that we don't treat our wife like our mama. Uh, we learn things like understanding that one of the greatest things we can do is build up our wives and our family and not tear them down. Uh, we walked together. And to some extent, I still walk with those men today. Uh, those men will always be the men in my life who in my young 20s helped me develop into a Christian man. I'm still developing into a Christian man. I still struggle with areas of integrity because what we've learned this weekend isn't easy. We're all on this kind of journey together. And we're all on a faith journey. And that faith journey is not always on the summit. Sometimes that faith journey is in the valley. Sometimes that faith journey is on a climb. One of the things that I want to do when I or my, on my bucket list, I guess you say. One of the things on my bucket list is I want to hike the Appalachian Trail. I don't know that I'll ever get to do it. I've got my hiking boots. I've been wearing them all weekend. And I love to hike in the mountains, especially the Smokies. I love to take off and do 10 or 15 miles a day, pitch a tent and get up and do it again. And that seems like total monotony. But there's something about being out there 
But you know, I would never start on that journey alone. There's so many people that have to be involved for anybody to accomplish the Appalachian Trail. And of the times that I've been on the Appalachian Trail and seen through hikers come through, one of the things that is rarely found is a through hiker who started by himself and ends by himself. You have some people that start by themselves, but inevitably along the journey, they link up with other people and they end up traveling that trail together and walking that journey together. I have had the great privilege of not walking alone. And I can tell you that as your pastor, I am completely committed to ensure that no man walks alone in this journey. I don't care if I take the next three months doing nothing but helping us take next steps so that we're not walking alone. Whatever it takes, I'm completely committed because I know how important and how valuable it is. Listen, men, it is important not to walk alone. And some of you guys walked in here today or this weekend walking alone. And I want to be sure that when you walk out of here, you know that you're not alone. And that you don't have to do this all by yourself. The Christian life is meant to be a life where we journey and we walk together. And at some level, we're all journeymen. We're all apprentices that need a cord of three strands that is strong together. Uh, some of you have experienced life together with other men or in a in a, another small group or in an ABF group. There is something unique, though, about men's groups. I think there's something unique about how God kind of wired us up as men. And that, that uniqueness, uh, to me, is that we have this great kind of camaraderie that we're able to build when we're in small groups together of three and, and four of us. And for those of you who may not have been in that, I hope that, I hope that you got a taste of that this weekend as we broke up into our groups. This weekend, one of the things that we wanted to ensure that happened was that you had some time to spend with one another, and you had some time then to spend with you and the Lord. You had some time to spend with a few men as well as with a lot of men. And this morning, one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to allow you to spend some time in your group time alone. One of the things that we want you to do this morning when it comes to our group time is we want you to personally reflect on what your next steps need to be. Some of those next steps may be very similar some of, us may all, some of us may need to just get in that group. Uh, some of those next steps may be that God is leading us to lead a group. Uh, some of those next steps may simply be that we need to get connected in the community of faith at Wayside, and we need to go and get into an ABF. Maybe one of those next steps for you is that God has impressed upon your heart the importance and the value of serving and pouring yourself out. And so you get, need to get connected in a place of service. 
I'm not sure what your next step is, but what I want to do is give you the opportunity to reflect on your next step, to think about your next step. And so in our groups this morning, one of the things that we're going to do is we are going to uh, walk through an exercise where we kind of build those next steps in our integrity. What are we going to do walking out of here? And then secondly, and then secondly, uh, we're going to reflect on our next steps. There's a card that you've received this morning that says, what's your next step? And so after we do the exercise of reflecting on the next step of our integrity in our groups this morning, what I would like to do is to have you fill out that next step card. And what that's going to do is it's going to enable me as a pastor to look and to follow up with you and to help just play uh, matchmaker, connector, or whatever is necessary to ensure that I can help you take that next step. Maybe that next step is uh, finding a counselor. I can help you do that. Maybe that step is finding a mentor where you want to sit down and have one man, man man-to-man, pour into you. I can help you find that. Maybe it's getting in a group. That's what we're all about. Whatever that next step looks like, fill out that card, and I want to help you do that. I will follow up with you, and I promise you, I promise you, you will get a contact from me. You will not fill this card out. Give it back to me and wonder what's going to happen next. You will be followed up with. Um, Secondly, in our group time, or lastly in our group time this morning, there's going to be a question that talks about spiritual disciplines. Uh, Many of you have heard of spiritual disciplines and you're involved in spiritual disciplines and you know about Bible study, you know about getting rooted in the Word, you know about prayer, but maybe you haven't been exposed to many spiritual disciplines. Maybe you've never heard this term, spiritual disciplines. And so there's a couple of questions that refer to that this morning, and I want you to know that one of your sheets just has a list of those spiritual disciplines. And maybe your next step is to say, you know, I just need to plan some time alone to get away and be with God once a month. Maybe you just need to go and retreat a little bit in solitude and in silence. Maybe that is your next step is to use that discipline of solitude and silence. Whatever that is, whatever that is and whatever God leads you in, uh, I want you to have that as a reference page uh, for this morning. I can't tell you how important it is to not walk this journey alone. I can't tell you how important it is for me to have had men pour into me in my lifetime. Don't walk the journey alone. You don't have to. And if you walked in here alone... Don't walk out of here alone. 
we've got a lot of Christian brothers at Wayside who want to walk with you and together in life. The Christian life is a togetherness sport. It's not meant to be walked alone. After we go to our groups this morning, I know it may feel a little bit cumbersome, but I want you to walk back down here. And it's really important that you do. Uh, because we're going we're gonna to sign off, I guess you'd say, in our retreat uh, by worshiping together and by having communion together. Uh, communion is also called the Lord's Table. And it's a time of personal and corporate reflection on what Christ has done for us. And so we're going to come together and we're going to sign off with communion. And there'll be no announcements and there'll be no business. We'll take care of that right now and we'll finish that up. We're just going to come together and reflect on this Lord's Day about what Christ has done for us. His broken body and his shed blood. And then we'll be free uh, to leave. So please be sure that after your groups, uh, you come back and we have this great opportunity to worship the Lord uh, just for a few minutes and then to reflect on what Christ has done for us. Um, if you've got any questions, if anything isn't clear, write your questions down on your next step card and I will follow up with you if anything isn't clear uh, this morning as, as to what I've talked about find me afterwards and I'd love to answer any questions there that you might have uh, last but not least there is a prayer box in the back of the room on the table and I want you to know that we've been praying for this retreat from before it happened our staff has been praying for this retreat our group leaders have prayed on the porch every time before a session. And I want you to know that we want to continue to pray for you. Um, if you have a specific prayer request, know that it's going to be held in confidence. And know that there's going to be a small group of men come together and continue to lift you up as we walk out of this uh, retreat today. Uh, so if you would, there's cards back there. Feel free to grab a card. Take it to your group. Fill out a prayer request, come back at communion time, put it in the box. We'll gather that box before we leave, and we'll be gathering over the next few days to lift you up in prayer. Lastly, I'm going to test, I'm going to test our integrity a little bit this morning. I've got a $20 bill. Somebody's missing $20. And somebody... May not it may have gone to their wallet and said, "Where did my twenty dollars go?" Uh, somebody found twenty dollars on the ground and brought it to me and said, "Somebody's missing twenty dollars." Uh, that man could have stuck it in his pocket, but he brought it to me, and he said, "Would you see if there's anybody who lost their twenty dollars?" Now there's where our integrity starts right there so if you've if you've truly if you're truly the man who's lost twenty dollars come see me and i've got your twenty dollars uh, otherwise if not uh, i'm going to put this uh, toward 
uh, something good for the cause of the kingdom, okay? All right. Yeah. Um, if you didn't get this little packet this morning, there is a little packet here. It's the next step card. It's your small group thing. It's the spiritual disciplines. There's also one sheet called Men Summit Valuation. That's really, really important. And here's why. The reason that's important is because as Wayside Chapel Men's Ministry, we want to offer things that have value, great value. We don't do anything that's not intentional. And so we need to know, if you don't have one of these, raise your hand, we'll get one to you. Um, We need to know for sure of the value of this retreat to you. We need to know where we need to improve, and we need to know where we've done well. And so if you want to encourage us, we appreciate that. If you want to critique us, we appreciate that. Because that enables us to get better. It enables us to look at what we're doing and provide value to you in your Christian walk. It's vital that we have those valuations back. So please fill one out after you do your group session, after you do your next step card. Please fill out your valuation and bring it back. And, uh, or excuse me, don't bring it back. Turn your next step card and your valuation in to your small group leader. Okay? All right, I think we're good. I think we're great. Um, we can't be. We'll find, we'll, okay. Okay. Everybody got what they need? Okay. We're going to wrap up. It's been a great time together. Uh, Thank you guys for a fantastic retreat. I've had a fantastic time. Uh, I know many of you have come up to me concerned and said, you know, Pastor, how you doing? Are you, are you able to, to enjoy yourself? I've been able to retreat too. Uh, and I've had a great retreat as well. And that's been very important. And that is a tall tale sign of those of you who've stepped up and served and, and been involved in the retreat. Uh, so thank you, men. Uh, it's been a great time. Don't forget, we're going to worship the Lord, and we're going to have communion reflect on what he did for us right after our small group time. So let us pray. Lord Jesus, we just come to you this morning. Maybe taking the most important step of the retreat for some of us. And that is to have you speak to our heart about what you would have us do next. That which would please you, that which would grow us, that which would challenge us, that which would help us to be men that you've asked us to be and that you've called us to be. 
Lord, we can't do it alone. And first and foremost, we need you. So, Lord, today, even now in a special way, would you, as we reflect a little bit and as we have some time alone, would you speak to our hearts, help our hearts to be hearts of clay, ready to do what you call us to do. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.